Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. Today we're going to pick up on part two of our series uh, called Overcoming Anxiety. And uh, as I was kind of thinking about this, you know, this, I realize, I get it. This, this study that we're doing, this series that we're doing, this isn't really for our church because no one in this church struggles with anxiety, right? This is for people like in their side of town, they go to some other church, so maybe someone's listening online. So this isn't for anybody here, right? So just sit back, don't even pay attention. Don't even learn anything. No, listen, what I want to encourage you to do is, um, would you take notes inside your program? Do you see like there's like a verse sheet in there? It's got some fill in the blanks. Um, On the back of that or whatever, would you take some notes? I I told you that I had uh, heard a friend of mine uh, speak on this subject years ago, and I took notes. And what we've been talking about this this whole series is stuff that I got from my notes that I listened to years ago. And so it's helped me and continues to help me but it's easy to walk out of church and just say, well, that was great. What did the pastor talk about? I have no clue, you know. <laughs> but take some notes on it so that when you're struggling through a time or you're having a time where, where something's hard, you can remember, oh, yeah, where were my notes on anxiety and dealing with anxiety? I think it was from the book of Philippians, and, and you can look at that. So we're in our Bible. If you've got a Bible, Philippians chapter 4. So Philippians is a small book over on the right-hand side, about that far from the end. And we've been actually going through it verse by verse. I, I take notes in my Bible, and I highlight stuff in my Bible um, sometimes. So some, sometimes if you see me reading something from my Bible and I pause, and my reader's on, I'm looking, it's because I'm probably reading one of the notes that I wrote back in 2003. There's some notes in here. So I'll do that. That's just a good thing to do. But Philippians chapter 4, um, you remember this, the, the guy that is writing this is a guy that's in jail. His name is Paul, and he's writing to a church. Now, church, this letter that was written 2,000 years ago is for us today, okay? And if if you'll just take a few minutes, we're just going to be together for a few minutes, and you'll take some notes, you'll think, don't be thinking about the game, don't be thinking about the weather, don't be thinking about work, don't be thinking about, you know, whatever's going on. Focus on this. You will learn from this, and you will benefit from our time together. If you just kind of lean into it a little bit, try to get some stuff out of it, It'll really be a big help. This was a big help to this church 2,000 years ago when it was written. And it's written in the Bible. It's just as important to us today. Okay? So this isn't like some ancient history stuff. This is relevant for us today. Philippians chapter 4. Let's just review real quick. Pick up at verse uh, verse 5. Paul told the church, Hey church, let your moderation, or the word we learned last week is self-control, let your self-control be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. So your mental self-control, the fact that you can control this, your moderation, he said it should be known, okay? You should be known as someone that can experience self-control, that has moderation uh, in your thinking, your thought life. Verse 6, be careful or anxious, the word careful, anxious for nothing, but, but what do I do? So I'm not anxious, we talked about this last week. I'm not anxious for stuff, but what do I do? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, 
let your request be made known unto God. So I'm not going to be anxious day to day, but I am going to go to God in prayer. I'm going to pray about it. When I, when I pray about something, I realize I'm, I'm bringing that prayer to the only one who can maybe control the situation, God Almighty in heaven. And when I've done that, when I've prayed, I step back, I dismiss the thought and say, well, I prayed about it. I, I prayed about it. I can't fix it. I can't deal with it. I can't resolve this thing. But I prayed about it, and he can take care of it. So therefore, I'm not going to be anxious about this. I'm not going to overcome myself with anxiety. Why? Because I gave it to someone who prayed about it, uh, that can deal with it through my prayers, all right? And, and if we fail to do that, and this was kind of the zinger last week, the, <laughs> the zinger last week that I didn't like, and I'm the one that gave the message, but um, the zinger is if we... If we keep being anxious about it, and we don't give it to God, we don't give it to God in prayer, we're being disobedient. There's no way around it. There's no wiggle room there. You stop being anxious, give it to God in prayer, and go on with your life. And if we don't do that, we're being disobedient. And that is a tough one to hear. It's a tough one to, to, to think about. So let's keep going in our study here. We went on through 6 and verse 7, and, and uh, uh, we're going to pick up here at verse 8. Uh, now, I tell you, you know what's interesting? Let me just, we got to stop for a second. We got time? We got time. We got, we got all the time in the world. We got more time than money here at this church. <laughs> uh, you know what's really interesting? Because we're thinking, we're, we're talking about our thought life, right? Be anxious. Where are you anxious? You're anxious where? In your toes? In your hands? No, where are you anxious? You're anxious in your mind. It's really interesting. In this book, Philippians, Paul tells the church, I want you to have joy, okay? I want you to be working together. I want you to have unity. I want you to be careful about your anxiety. From the beginning to end, have you ever thought about how many times he talks about, listen, he talks about your thinking. Control your thoughts. Ready? We're going to do a real quick review. I didn't put these verses in your notes. I'll put them on the screen. Let's just look at how many times he talks about your mind is a battlefield. Your mind is where it's at. Ready? Just take a look at this. Just follow along. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Where do you remember things? In your what? In your mind. You say it out loud. Verse 9, and I pray this, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and judgment. Where do you have knowledge and judgment? In your, in your mind. 1, verse 12. But I would, but I would you should understand brethren where do you understand things in your mind verse 27 only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of christ look at the end stand fast in one spirit with one mind where do you live in unity church in your mind that's where that happens chapter 2 verse 2 fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded where do you live in unity with the person you're sitting next to in your mind. This is where you deal with these things. Verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Verse 20. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Chapter 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted for loss. In other words, I reconciled or I categorize something. I, where, where do you categorize things? In your, in your mind. 
I thought about it and I reconciled it. I categorized it. Verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Look at the end. And do count them but dung. I've categorized, I've, I've organized things. Where? In my mind. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended or arrived, but this one thing I do, I forget. Church, where do you forget things? In your mind. You forgot the answer. In your mind. <laughs> Verse 15. Let us therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded. Where are you alike where he talked? He said, I want you to think like this. Where do you think? In your mind. Verse 2. I beseech these two ladies that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Verse 6, be careful or anxious. Where are you anxious? In your, in your mind. Verse 7, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. Where, where do you find peace? Where do you, where do you find understanding from God in your mind? So these are, these are the places that I see that he keeps talking about how you think. And the reality is, church, I think we fail to discipline and care for our thought life. We, 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 we care for our bodies. We exercise or we eat right or we go to the doctor. We, we take care of those things. But do we care for and discipline our thought life? The discipline, church, the discipline of reading your Bible, the discipline of spending time in prayer, we ought to be spending more time in these disciplines, and we don't. We, we, we'll, we'll spend, you know, an hour at the gym working out and 2.9 minutes reading our Bible or 68 seconds praying. But the real discipline we really ought to spend, and I'm, I'm just as guilty as everybody in this room, we ought to be disciplining ourselves in the disciplines of the Christian faith, disciplining, exercising our mind correctly. The discipline of prayer and Bible reading that, that we just neglect to do. With that in, with that in mind... Go to verse 8, and here's where we're going to pick up. Now, I want you to get this from verse 8. Everybody listen. We're going to read verse 8. I want you to think. Whose responsibility is verse 8? Let's read it. Here, I'm going to read it. You follow along. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, church, I want you to say the next three words with me. Ready? Here we go. Think on, well, make it four words. <laughs> I wasn't counting, was I? Let's say it together. Ready? Think on these things. Whose responsibility is it? It's the church's. It's the pastors. If the pastor, no. It's the school teacher, no. It's my Sunday school teacher, no. It's my small group teacher, no. Whose responsibility is it, church? It's ours, yeah. It, it, it's our responsibility. It's personal. The Bible here is saying, oh, look at the verse, I have a responsibility. There's a discipline. I have to focus my mind in a certain direction, in a certain way. And, and if we look at the whole verse, if we look at the whole verse, he tells us exactly what is our responsibility. Look at the end of it here. He says, think on these things. Church, what are these? These are these right here. I'm telling you, I am going to give you a list of things that you need to think about. And guys, listen, if, the assumption here is this. 
if God's given us a responsibility, listen, if he has given us a responsibility to do something, that means that God's also given us what? He's given us the ability to do it. I mean, he wouldn't tell us to do something that we couldn't do, right? He didn't say go lift a, you know, a 500-ton rock because I know you can't do it. But he says, this is something that I know you can do and you have the responsibility to do it. You need to think on this list of things that I've given to you. And, and I think, guys, I think when, you know, from the years I've done counseling, been in the ministry 30-something years, um, the, the vast majority, I think, of Christians just don't have control over their thoughts. I, I, think, I think this area just runs away and, and our thought life just disappears and just goes, runs amok. And, and our thought life produces emotions and our emotions, they produce behaviors. Think about that. Our thought life produces emotions, our emotions produce behavior. I, if, if I were to look at this room here, look over there, and let's just say the piano was on fire. That would be weird, but let's say the piano is on fire. Okay, my thought life produces emotions, my emotions produce behavior. My thought life sees the piano on fire, and what does that produce? That produces an emotion. My emotion is what? That I'm scared. Huh, the piano's on fire. And my emotions produce a behavior, which means what? Everybody, let's get out of here, right? We run out, we go get a fire extinguisher, we call 911, we try to spray the piano out, right? So my thoughts produce an emotion, and my, no, my emotion produces a behavior. I point to my feet because it's, it's the action, it's something I'm going to do. And, and, and all day long, tens of thousands of times every day, our thought life produces an emotion, and our emotion produces a behavior. And, and we make decisions based upon our emotions, based upon our behavior. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. He does it. He lives that way. How you are thinking is how you're going to live. Okay, do you got that? What you consume this with is how you are. Well, I don't think video games or TV shows affect me. Really? <laughs> Apparently God thought something a little bit different. What you think about what you consume your brain with is how you're going to live. And... And uh, we, we have, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to say this. I, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it because I think it needs to be said. You know, we, we come up to this time of the year, and we, oh, church, it's awful. We think about the, the parade in Waukesha. It was just terrible. Many of you were there with me, and, and, and I, was, I was this far away from the car. Church, listen, here's my encouragement to you as a church. Don't, don't watch don't watch the trial and stuff on the news. Don't. Why? Because there is nothing you can do about the trial except get what? More anxious, more upset, more frustrated. Yes, is it insane? Is it stupid? Do you want to just go up there and just punch someone in the mouth? Yes, we do. But I prayed about it, and I stepped back and said, God, you're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to take care of the judge. You're going to have to take care of the jurors. You're going to have to take care of the whole situation it's in your hands. Guys, there, there is no verdict that is ever going to make Waukesha happy. There, there is, I mean, death penalty, but you know that will never get carried out, right? I mean, why, why, do, why do we consume ourselves? Why would you sit there and live through it again? You're not going to change it. You want to you you help someone? You want to help the victims? Pray for them, okay? God, I can't deal with this. I'm going to pray for it. But, but reliving it, going over in your mind again, watching it again, getting so upset, getting so frustrated by it, it's unbelievable. Church, I just wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't spend my time doing it. Why? Because my thoughts produce emotions and my emotions produce my actions. I just, I just wouldn't do it. It, just, it doesn't help me. It, doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't do it. 
But I say that to say this. We think about the parade that's coming up on a year now. How can someone be, now listen, how can someone be so off kilter and so insanely out of their mind and nuts to do something like that? Well, according to this verse, it started with out-of-control thinking. Somewhere along this person's mindset, whether it was a year ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, the thinking started going downhill. Something influenced his thought life, and he started to consume himself with that thought life. Of course, you know it from all the Facebook posts and stuff like that, and there's some mental health issues there, of course, because the, the past thought life was totally unhealthy. Somewhere along the line, the unhealthy thought life produced unhealthy emotions, which produced unhealthy actions, okay? He didn't just hop in a car, and the car just took off on autopilot and did it, and he was a victim. No. It started here. How could someone do something so unbelievably insane? It started here. That's how. That's where it all started. So, the Bible gives us a list here. Let's look at it. It gives us a list, gives us a test of how to think. And church, I don't know about you, but it's incredibly convicting to me because, because many times my thoughts aren't right. Many times my thoughts don't follow this verse. But you're the pastor, I know, and many times my thoughts don't follow this verse. So let's take a look at it, and let's see if we can't get this entire verse banged out today. And all God's children said? You know that's not going to happen. Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are, what's the first thing in our list, church? What is it? Whatsoever things are true. So take your pen and write that down. That's the very first thing on the list here that we need to look at, that we need to think about. He says, whatsoever things are true. Well, what is true? Church, can we talk about that? What is truth? Here's truth. Amen, church? Yeah. This is, this is the only thing we know that's truly truth, right? This is what we really know. This is something that's true. The Bible's true. Like I talked about earlier, high on our list of things to be thinking about ought to be this truth because it's the Bible, it's the Word of God. Biblical meditation ought to be high on our list of things to do. Pastor, I don't know how to meditate. Oh, yes, you do. You know how to meditate. Sure you do. We just went through a couple years of COVID and crazy elections and vaccines and mask mandates and all those nuts things. A lot of you spent an awful lot of time meditating on those things, right? Biblical meditation is taking something from God's Word and thinking about it, processing it. It's not, it's not what they teach like in yoga and stuff where you're emptying your mind. Church, don't empty your mind. Your mind will be filled with something, and it may be the devil, okay? As a Christian, we don't do that. We don't want to empty our mind. My Bible says fill your mind with God. With, with let, let your mind be led by the Spirit. Um, people ask me all the time, so pastor, you know, what about yoga? Here, listen, go work out, praise the Lord. Go stretch, praise the Lord. Go exercise, great, praise the Lord. Do, do your cardio, praise the Lord. But you don't need to do it in the context of Zen Buddhism where you're letting your thoughts release and getting rid of your thoughts and opening up your mind. Just think, what do they do at the end of every of the, the workouts? Was it namaste? You know what that, that, that is? That's a greeting to your inner spirits, plural. That's what it is. I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't do it. Greeting to your inner spirits? Listen, I'm a Christian. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, singular. 
Why, why put your toes in the water? Go work out. Okay, great. Go do your stretches. Go do whatever you want to do. I don't really care. You know, that's good. good for you. But you don't need to do it in that context. I don't know why I'm talking about that, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we need to go work out this afternoon. Uh, there's some things in your mind, though, in your thought life that just aren't true, church. You know, I know we like to, if you're like me, you like to procrastinate sometimes. We like to, we like to, we like to predict things sometimes that are going to happen out in the future instead of really dealing with them. The intuition in our mind can be obsessed with a future that has not yet happened. Our tendency is to predict outcomes. So if it hasn't happened at the time, it's not true. We need to be very careful about that. If we worry and predict things that are going to happen in the future, listen, if it happened in the future, church, it's not true. Why is it not true? Because it hasn't happened yet. You may, you may prognosticate about it and say, well, that, I think that's going to happen. Well, you may think it, but it's not true until it's happened. We spend a lot of time scheming or predicting or even dreading the future. That kind of thinking is usually negative type of thinking. Most people don't spend time pondering about good things. We don't ponder about winning or getting a raise. <laughs> but, but we do like to predict all the different responses. We spend hours on different things that aren't true. They're usually negative things because our intuition has a tendency to run amok. We have a tendency to get negative. We like to forecast the future. The future is uncertain. But Paul says, I don't want you to be forecasting the future. I want you to think on things that are true. That's what we're called to think about. You know, when you watch advertising, I was, I've been in marketing for a lot of years before I started the church. Advertising plays on prognosticating against the future. Hey, you just bought a new car. Great. You know what you need to get? You need to get the extended warranty. You just told me this was a great car and it will last me for a long time and it's the best purchase I can ever make. And now you're warning me about the future, that my car is going to break, and if I got the extended warranty, it would take care of it. <laughs> Who's lying here? <laughs> What's wrong with this story? But that's what we like to do. We like to kind of think about the future. We like, to, we like to be negative towards the future. But Jesus said, I mean, we look at his verses. He said, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Why did he say that? What did he mean? He said, listen, there's enough evil today to worry about. You don't need to worry about tomorrow's evil, okay? The, the evil of, of today is enough to consume you, consume you. There's enough bad news in the newspaper today. Church, we don't need to make up more news, okay? We don't need to, to imagine more news. And we don't need to think about that like that. You know, we've, you've heard it said, maybe your parents said it to you, you know, kids, now don't get your hopes up. That probably was good advice, Right? When, when, we, when we as Christians say hope, sometimes we mean something of uncertainty. I hope, I don't know, I hope the staff shows up for work tomorrow. Well, that's, well, I've, <laughs> they better. <laughs> but, but that's a thought life against uncertainty. When the Bible talks about hope, it talks about something that's certain. It's going to happen, but when we talk about hope, there's a level of uncertainty to it. It's kind of a little bit of a gamble, kind of a little bit of crossing your fingers a little bit. You know, um, in, in church, we, we shouldn't do that because that's not truth, okay? We, we worry about the future. It's not true because it hasn't happened yet. Ladies, let me talk to you about this for a few minutes because the holidays are coming, and this is an area that I know a lot of women struggle with, maybe not all women, uh, maybe the men do too, but I know the women struggle with this a lot from my experience. Ladies, on the upcoming holidays, okay, in your mind, you'll have a tendency to want to play out the entire holiday. You will play out Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's next. You're going to play it out in your mind. 
that everyone's going to be there for Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, the dinner's going to be perfect. The turkey's going to come out wonderful. Um, your whole family, your whole family that can't stand each other the entire year is now going to sit down at the Thanksgiving table and they're going to just be in joyful, civil, loving, heartfelt communion, right? And it's going to be wonderful. Uncle Billy's there and he's a weirdo all year. But at Thanksgiving, you have played out in your mind that Uncle Billy is just going to be a joy. And he's not going to say something stupid. He's not going to embarrass you. And, and you play this out, and everyone's going to be there, and this is going to be great. We're going to sit down. We're going to have a nice meal. Everyone's going to love. We're going to forget about everything that happened yesterday and last week. It's going to be like a Hallmark movie. It's just going to play out right here in our living room. It's going to be wonderful. And, and, and they're not going to eat all the appetizers, so I just spent four and a half hours making a turkey. Everyone sits down. I'm not hungry. Why? Because you just filled yourself with chips and dip. And it, you know, but you're not going to get upset because they're not going to do that and they're just going to come flowing in and the relatives that never got along are going to get along the, the the reality here is just to be aware of the reality okay the, don't play that game and and get your hopes up on something and you're just so disappointed why because it's just it's just not truth okay sometimes the holidays are just going to kind of stink and you know what i'll just say this you have a choice of who you're going to get together with on the holidays Okay, young couples, you do not have to go to someone's house that you don't want to for the holidays, right? You don't have to. You don't have to go to, you know, grandma and grandpa's or Uncle Billy's or whatever if you don't want to go or if it's stressful or you don't have to have people over you don't want. You don't have to do anything for the holidays you don't want to. I just know that the holidays, we, we set our hopes so high and then nine times out of ten it just gets crushed because it's, it's just not the Hallmark movie. Be very, very careful about playing that game it's causing anxiety and frustration in your life and your marriage and, and your, your worry, your speculation about it. It's just not true. Speculation, church, is not true. The Bible says whatsoever things are true. It doesn't say whatsoever things are possible, whatsoever things you speculate about. If it's not true, it's going to bring great anxiety. Let me ask you this. Have you ever worried about something and it never happened? Raise your hand if you worried about something and it never happened. I'll put both hands up for that. <laughs> you worry about something, and it just doesn't happen. Can I give you an example? In the last couple of years, we, our nation was hit with a pandemic, as, as we all know, COVID. Um, I haven't been real pleased, and I'll just say it. I haven't been real pleased with Christian radio and television. I just haven't. They have prognosticated and speculated into the future Let's see, when, when COVID broke out in 2020, I had people sending me photos of the military moving into Milwaukee, and they were going to set up camps to send people to that, that got COVID. First off, those photos weren't from Milwaukee. It never happened. The radio's promoting and blasting, well, you know, where all these Christians are going to be rounded up in death camps. I, I'm still here. You're, I don't know of anybody being rounded up into a death camp. I just don't. If you get the vaccine, you're literally shooting baby fetuses into your arm. I heard that on the radio. It's not true. There's, it's just not true. I did all the study, guys. I, I studied it out from a Christian viewpoint. It's just not true. You do whatever you want with the vaccine, okay? But we spent, Christians collectively, an awful lot of time consuming ourselves with COVID and with vaccines and with mass mandates and the election and, and the whole, like, is, is the president really the president? Yeah, I really believe he's the president, okay? I, I didn't consume myself with it. Do you want to know my prediction? My prediction is going to come out that, that Trump's going to admit that he knew that Donald Trump, or that Joe Biden really did win the election. 
that, that's not good. It doesn't matter. There's nothing to do with the message. I don't know why I said that, but um, it, it just doesn't, I don't know why I'm saying that, okay? It, just, it doesn't matter. But my point is, we've speculated and spent an awful lot of anxiety and an awful lot of energy as churches dealing with things that did not come true. That's the example, okay? And I just say that just because we, we deal with that perception and, we, and, we, and sometimes we perceive things differently than other, other people. Let me give an example of that. All of us are different. If all of us were to walk out on the highway today and watch a car accident, and let's say five of us were sitting out there and we saw a car accident on Silvernail Road, all five of us would give a different perception of how the accident happened and whose fault was it. Why? Because everyone in this room perceives things differently. Why? Because we're all different. My perception is based on, on my interpretation, based on my past and my present life. I, I predict the future based on my experiences. And uh, we all have a tendency to be suspicious about things, and, and we base things upon our past. We base things upon how we were raised in the present. We try to connect the dots. We perceive something's real or not real because in our mind we played it out. And, and, and we do that based upon our, our own differences. And everyone in this room is different. I, I've, had, I've had a lady one time come to me years back, and, and she was so furious. She says, she says, she says, she was furious with me. She, <laughs> she says, Pastor, you know, I walked by you at church, and, and you didn't talk to me, and you gave me a dirty look, you know. I think you're furious with me. Wait. You're saying that I'm furious with you because I didn't say hi to you in the hallway. The church, let me ask. Does that constitute being furious? I mean, really, I'm just being honest. Is that being furious that I didn't say hi to someone in the hallway? I don't know. Maybe I was hungry. Maybe I was thirsty. Maybe I was in a rush. I don't know. But in her eyes, her exaggerated perception of the moment based on her past and, and her present lifestyle and what she was doing, she said if someone didn't say hi to her, she consumed it or she, she predicted it, she laid it out as being furious. And we dramatize that and we, we kind of build it out. Hold on a second. Unless someone comes to you and says, I'm furious with you, they're not furious with you, okay? That's, that's a pretty big prediction that someone could make. Oh, the pastor's furious with you. See how, that, see how we just deal with stuff like that? It's just not true. There could be millions of reasons why I wouldn't say hi to someone in the hallway. Possibly because she was strange and I didn't want to say hi to her. That's probably the most obvious reason. But, but, but we all have different perceptions, okay? We all, have, we all look at things differently. So you have to kind of ask yourself, well, is this really true? Or did my exaggerated perception make it something that it really is? You know, is my personality, it's unique, it's different than someone else, you know? Is, is my personality different than someone else's? And that causes anxiety. That, that causes a clash. Church, everybody in this room has got a different personality. Some of you, you like to be in charge of stuff. Some of you like to do with the details. Some of you like the big picture. Some of you like to just have fun. So, I mean, everyone in this room is different. And it's real easy when we have, let's say, a big event like we had last week. You know, a couple thousand people came to our church last week for our fall event. It's real easy in the midst of, when you're all working together, 180 of you helped out just last Sunday alone, that, that you say, well, maybe someone's mad at me or someone's, you know, upset at me just because uh, we have different personalities. And, and we're just flat out different. Some of you, you know, I'm kind of the kind of guy that just kind of likes the big picture. You know, I just, I see the thing and I kind of, okay, this is how it's going to look in my mind. And I kind of operate on the big picture. There's other people that sit there with an Excel list and they document everything. How many volunteers we need, what we're supposed to do, when we're supposed to be there, what we're supposed to wear, what the weather is going to be like, and they, they just go, and there's just details, 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 details. It's good to have a little bit of yin and yang, so to speak, you know what I mean? The big picture, but also have the details. But that person with the details, I probably drive them nuts 
because I'm not, it doesn't, it does, I don't get consumed with the details. That person with the details drives me nuts because it's like, what are you doing? Just show up. Let's go. Let's have a good time, you know? But it takes both those to work together. But it's real easy. It's real easy in our human nature because we're just different to let those things kind of run amok sometimes. Men, you get home from work, a long day's work, let's say, and your wife gets home before you. Your wife is quiet. You come home, hey, honey, I'm home. And your wife is just quiet and she's making dinner, you know? Every single man Every single man goes, walks into the other room. She's giving me the quiet treatment. What did I do wrong? Let's see, I said hi to her this morning. I gave her a kiss. I told her I loved her. It's her birthday. Is it her birthday? Is it her birthday? No, it's not her birthday. Is it her mom's birthday? Is it her dad? What? What? Scratch card. And it's going over and over in our minds. Like what? What did I do to make her be quiet? <laughs> It's just different personalities. It's just the way it is. Truth is something that's subjective. Perception is something that's subjective. Perception forms an opinion without hard evidence. I'm perceiving my wife is mad at me because something I did. Well, maybe she had a long day at work. Maybe she's tired. Maybe she's got a headache. Maybe who knows whatever. And, and, and whatever. She's, she's just being quiet. But see how our personalities can clash and, and we can deal. Well, what is true? The truth is I did or didn't do anything wrong or, or whatever. And that's just the truth. But, but we, can, we can play that game and, and have that perception and kind of think about stuff, but it's not really a true thing. Think about this for a second. Learn to give people the benefit of the doubt. Learn to give people the benefit of the doubt. Church, if there was one thing that, that we all need to talk about today and that we could spend some time on, is I think we could all learn to give each other the benefit of the doubt a little bit more often. Okay, I think as Christians, that goes along with long-suffering, it goes along with gentleness, it goes along with kindness, these fruits of the Spirit, and, and many times there's a misunderstanding because of something the way I perceive it should be, but the reality is that person sees it some way different, and, and maybe there's something in my life that's coloring my decision or coloring the situation, and, and our, our minds just normally tend to be negative, we do, that's why Paul said in that letter, think on things that are true because the tendency is to think about things that are not true, okay? Your tendency is to be negative. Your tendency is to, is to color something situation a certain way and, and have your perception, and, and it might just not be true. So, Pastor, how do I set the agenda to only think on things that are true? Well, I, got, I came up with four things. I'm sure there's probably more. Here's my four things to do if I'm going to think about things that are true. Number one, I'm going to capture questionable thoughts. I'm not going to let a, uh, my mind wander on a thought. If a thought comes into my mind, I'm going to capture it. What do I mean by that? Walking through the church lobby, someone doesn't say hi to me, and my first thought is, that person's mad at me. Wait, wait. I'm going to capture that thought. Wait, what did I just say? My mind, I think that person's mad at me. I'm going to capture that thought. I'm going, to th I'm, going to, I'm going to think about my emotional intelligence, what I'm thinking about, okay? Then the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask myself this. Is this thought true? Or am I predicting the future? <laughs> I can't control the future, so I'm not going to worry about it. So is this thought true? Is this person really mad at me? Number three, if it's not true, then I'm just going to dismiss this thought. Well, there's really no reason that person should be mad at me. I just, I just walked by them. They may be thinking of something else. Maybe their cat just died. I don't know what just happened, but that's not true. It's just not true. I think it's true. I felt like it's true. I predicted it's true. I prognosticated that it's true, but it's not true. 
There's no re- this person did not come to me and say, I'm mad at you. They never said that to me. It's just my mind. It's, it's my mind. And if it's not true, then, then I'm just going to dismiss it. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to tell myself to stop thinking about this. This is an act of discipline. This is moderation. That's what he's talking about in verse 4, 5, and 6. And you say, well, pastor, I can't dismiss it. Well, you're denying scripture because Paul told us here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, think on these things. So if it's not true, you do have the power to dismiss it. Well, I just can't stop thinking about it. You're lying to yourself. You can stop thinking about it. You can. You can. Stop it. Two words. Stop it. And then, number four, if it is true, if it is true, then I'm going to ask myself, okay, what can I do about it? Ah, I think that person's mad at me. Is that true? Yeah, it is true because I backed into their car before church today. <laughs> and running up here to the service, I said, oh, hey, by the way, I hit your car. God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> They're mad at me. Okay, what can I do about it? Well, I can fix it. I can call the insurance company. I could, you know what I'm saying? We could get it to a body shop. We get it fixed. We can deal with that. And then I can deal with it. We get a restored fellowship and I can keep going on with my life, right? But I'm not going to sit there and just play a mind game about it and just, and just, and just deal with it. I'm not going to read their mind. You know, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what they did. So is this something that I can control? Then if it's something I control, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with it. But, but I'm not going to consume my brain thinking about it. I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to deal with it and say, what can I do about it? The only part to control is my part, what I can do. I have no power over the rest. I have no power over other people. I have no power over what that person's thinking. I have no power over that person's reactions. I'm not going to force some kind of an outcome, but I'm going to give it to God, and I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to leave it with God. This is what Christian faith is. Christian faith doesn't alleviate you from responsibility. It just gets you to the point of saying, well, I, I did what I can do, but I'm leaving the rest to God. This is the way that God says that we leave our life and, and we go in, in a way of a direction towards God's peace. The Bible says, great peace have they which love thy law. But if you leave it in your mind and you let your mind run wild, church, if you let your mind run wild with those things that aren't truth, you are a candidate for anxiety. That's why he said, think on these things that are true. Do not let your mind go wild because it will lend towards things that are not true. Can we go back to Philippians 4.8 for a second? Okay. Whew. We covered the first one. I think we're going to quit here for today. <laughs> Whoa, this is going to take a while. All right, <laughs> come back, and we're going to keep going through this, but it's going to take us a while to get through this verse. Is there a lot there, church? Amen. Are we talking about dealing with anxiety? Yes. Is dealing with things that are true and not true a big problem in our life? Absolutely, right? Here's a true thing. This is true. We know that. The gospel's true. Think on these things. Aren't you thankful that the gospel is true? It's not a hope. It's not across our fingers. It's true. Jesus Christ loved us so much, died on the cross, paid for our sin debt on the cross of Calvary, and God says, all I want you to do is believe that, to trust that, to depend on that. You're a sinner. You can't pay the debt, but God says, I'll pay it for you. My son will die, so you don't have to. Would you put your trust in the fact that Jesus paid your debt for you? Stop believing in your baptism, your church membership, your good works. You're, you're repenting from all of your sins. You're committing your life. Stop thinking about all the things you could do and say, God, there's nothing I could, this is something I can't do anything about. I can't pay my debt, but you did, and I believe it. I accept what you did in my place. And God says you're forever part of his family. That's the good news of the gospel, isn't it? Praise the Lord. All right.
Church, let's have a word of prayer and let's be done today, okay? Father, maybe someone this morning is trusting in you as Savior. Maybe someone this morning has understood for the first time it's not a work, it's what you did on the cross that paid for our salvation. Lord, I pray that you would work in their hearts this morning. They would understand that the gospel is a free gift. They would stop relying upon their own works and what they do and trust solely in what you did when you died on the cross, were buried three days later, rose again, paying our sin debt. Father, I pray you'd work in our hearts today as we think about things that are true. Help us to stop predicting the future. Help us to stop prognosticating about the future. Help us to stop speculating on the future and live life with what's true. And these are the things we're going to think on, things that are true. A very important step in dealing with our anxiety. Would you work on all of our hearts, Father? Would you convict us this week if we do that? If we're thinking about things that aren't true, would you work in our hearts, Father? Would you, would you convict us? Thank you, Father, for all that you've done. We ask for a blessing on the remainder of our time together and our service tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.